The Very Friendly Young Gentleman from Sketches of Young Gentlemen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alison Veldis. Charles Dickens, 200th Anniversary Collection, Volume 5. Section 2. The Very Friendly Young Gentleman by Charles Dickens We know, and all people know, so many specimens of this class, that in selecting the few heads our limits enable us to take from a great number, we have been induced to give the very friendly young gentleman the preference over many others, to whose claims, upon a mere cursory view of the question, we had felt disposed to assign the priority. The very friendly young gentleman is very friendly to everybody, but he attaches himself particularly to two, or at most to three families, regulating his choice by their dinners, their circle of acquaintance, or some other criterion in which he has an immediate interest. He is of any age between twenty and forty, unmarried of course, must be fond of children, and is expected to make himself generally useful if possible. Let us illustrate our meaning by an example, which is the shortest mode and the clearest. We encountered one day, by chance, an old friend of whom we had lost sight for some years, and who, expressing a strong anxiety to renew our former intimacy, urged us to dine with him on an early day, that we might talk over old times. We readily assented, adding that we hoped we should be alone. "'Oh, certainly, certainly,' said our friend. "'Not a soul with us but Minson.' "'And who is Minson?' was our natural inquiry. "'Oh, don't mind him,' replied our friend. "'He is a most particular friend of mine, and a very friendly fellow you will find him.' And so he left us. We thought no more about Minson, until we duly presented ourselves at the house next day, when, after a hearty welcome, our friend motioned towards a gentleman who had been previously showing his teeth by the fireplace, and gave us to understand that it was Mr. Minson of whom he had spoken.' It required no great penetration on our part to discover at once that Mr. Minson was in every respect a very friendly young gentleman. "'I am delighted,' said Minson, hastily advancing and pressing our hand warmly between both of his. "'I am delighted, I am sure, to make your acquaintance.' Here he smiled. "'Very much delighted indeed.' Here he exhibited a little emotion. "'I assure you that I have looked forward to it anxiously for a very long time.' Here he released our hands, and, rubbing his own, observed that the day was severe, but he was delighted to perceive from our appearance that it agreed with us wonderfully, and then went on to observe that, notwithstanding the coldness of the weather, he had that morning seen in the paper an exceedingly curious paragraph, to the effect that there was now in the garden of Mr. Wilkins of Chichester a pumpkin measuring four feet in height and eleven feet seven inches in circumference which he looked upon as a very extraordinary piece of intelligence. We ventured to remark that we had a dim recollection of having once or twice before observed a similar paragraph in the public prints, upon which Mr. Minson took us confidentially by the button, and said, exactly, exactly, to be sure, we were very right, and he wondered what the editors meant by putting in such things. Who the deuce, he should like to know, did they suppose cared about them? That struck him as being the best of it. The lady of the house appeared shortly afterwards, and Mr. Minson's friendliness, as will readily be supposed, suffered no diminution in consequence. 
he exerted much strength and skill in wheeling a large easy-chair up to the fire, and the lady being seated in it, carefully closed the door, stirred the fire, and looked to the windows to see that they admitted no air. Having satisfied himself upon all these points, he expressed himself quite easy in his mind, and begged to know how she found herself to-day. Upon the lady's replying very well, Mr. Minson, who it appeared was a medical gentleman, offered some general remarks upon the nature and treatment of colds in the head, which occupied us agreeably until dinner-time. During the meal he devoted himself to complimenting everybody, not forgetting himself, so that we were an uncommonly agreeable quartet. "'I'll tell you what, Kappa," said Mr. Minson to our host, as he closed the room-door after the lady had retired. "'You have very great reason to be fond of your wife. Sweet woman, Mrs. Kappa, sir.' "'Nay, Minson, I beg,' interposed the host, as we were about to reply that Mrs. Capper unquestionably was particularly sweet. "'Pray, Minson, don't.' "'Why not?' exclaimed Mr. Minson. "'Why not? Why should you feel any delicacy before your old friend, our old friend, if I may be allowed to call you so, sir? Why should you, I ask?' We, of course, wished to know why he should also, upon which our friend admitted that Mrs. Capper was a very sweet woman, at which admission Mr. Minson cried, "'Bravo!' and begged to propose Mrs. Capper with a heartfelt enthusiasm, whereupon our host said, "'Thank you, Minson,' with deep feeling, and gave us, in a low voice, to understand that Minson had saved Mrs. Capper's cousin's life no less than fourteen times in a year and a half, which he considered no common circumstance, an opinion to which we most cordially subscribed.' Now that we three were left to entertain ourselves with conversation, Mr. Minson's extreme friendliness became every moment more apparent. He was so amazingly friendly, indeed, that it was impossible to talk about anything in which he had not the chief concern. We happened to allude to some affairs in which our friend and we had been mutually engaged nearly fourteen years before, when Mr. Minson was all at once reminded of a joke which our friend had made on that day four years, which he positively must insist upon telling, and which he did tell accordingly, with many pleasant recollections of what he said, and what Mrs. Capper said, and how he well remembered that they had been to the play with orders on the very night previous and had seen Romeo and Juliet, and the pantomime, and how Mrs. Capper, being faint, had been led into the lobby where she smiled, said it was nothing after all, and went back again, with many other interesting and absorbing particulars, after which the friendly young gentleman went on to assure us that our friend had experienced a marvellously prophetic opinion of that same pantomime, which was of such an admirable kind, that two morning papers took the same view next day. To this our friend replied with a little triumph, that in that instance he had some reason to think he had been correct, which gave the friendly young gentleman occasion to believe that our friend was always correct. And so we went on, until our friend, filling a bumper, said he must drink one glass to his dear friend Minson, than whom he would say no man saved the lives of his acquaintances more, or had a more friendly heart. Finally, our friends, having emptied his glass, said, "'God bless you, Minson.' and Mr. Minson and he shook hands across the table with much affection and earnestness. But great as the friendly young gentleman is, in a limited scene like this he plays the same part on a larger scale, with increased éclat. Mr. Minson is invited to an evening party with his dear friends the Martins, 
when he meets his dear friends the cappers and his dear friends the watsons and a hundred other dear friends too numerous to mention he is as much at home with the martins as with the cappers but how exquisitely he balances his attentions and divides them among his dear friends if he flirts with one of the miss watsons he has one little martin on the sofa pulling his hair and the other little martin on the carpet riding on his foot he carries mrs watson down to supper on one arm and miss martin on the other and takes wine so judiciously and in such exact order that it is impossible for the most punctilious old lady to consider herself neglected if any young lady being prevailed upon to sing became nervous afterwards mr minson leads her tenderly into the next room and restores her with port wine which she must take medicinally if any gentleman be standing by the piano during the progress of the ballad mr minson seizes him by the arm at one point of the melody and softly beating time the while with his head expresses in dumb show his intense perception of the delicacy of the passage if anybody's self-love is to be flattered mr minson is at hand if anybody's overweening vanity is to be pampered mr minson will surfeit it what wonder that people of all stations and ages recognize mr minson's friendliness that he is universally allowed to be handsome as amiable that mothers think him an oracle daughters a dear brothers a beau and fathers a wonder and who would not have the reputation of the very friendly young gentleman and of the very friendly young gentleman